2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Or actually, let's start in 15. 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 15. My title tonight, you can go ahead and put the screen up. We're going to continue the hashtag goals series. It's the month of goals. Amen. And I really believe God has us pushing this message of goals in this month, the first month of the year, is because this is the year that you will see goals really come to pass in your life. You will really see some stuff that you've been praying for, that you've been sowing for, that you've been pouring your life into. Some things are going to come to pass. But hashtag goals part four the subtitle is the power of habit the power of habit anybody got any goals in this house okay making sure we're not all just walking around aimlessly lifelessly goals motivate you goals are good they motivate you and you feel a sense of accomplishment once you reach a goal you continue to persevere and grind to get to the next goal. Goals. Second Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 15. And the Word of God reads like this. I'm reading out the contemporary English version. It says, They left the true road and they've gone down the wrong path by following the example of the prophet Balaam. He was the son of Beor and loved what he got from being a crook. My gosh. He loved what he got from being a crook. But a donkey, but a donkey, a donkey corrected him for this evil deed. Thank God for the donkeys in our life. And you, Jesus. And it spoke to him with a human voice and made him stop all this foolishness. Because his decisions, his actions, they were just foolish. And it says, these people are like dried up water, holes and clouds blown by a windstorm. The darkest part of hell is waiting for them. They brag out loud about their stupid nonsense and being vulgar and crude, they trap people who have barely escaped from living the wrong kind of life. They promise freedom to everyone, but they're merely slaves of filthy living because people are slaves of whatever controls them. We're talking about habits. People are slaves by whatever controls them. So, Father, God, I come humbly to you tonight. Lord, empower me and anoint me to share your word accurately and rightly, God. Lord, I pray you speak to every soul in here in some form, in some manner, God. Allow your spirit to do what he wants to do tonight, Jesus. We may be flawed, but you are still God. And in our weakness, your word says you are strong, God. Come and commune with us tonight, God. Lord, we need you, Jesus. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And all the saints said, Amen. So we're talking about habits tonight. So hashtag goals, the power of habit. And did you know 40% of all we do is by habit? And Aristotle stated this. He says, we are what we repeatedly do. And what I've come to find out is excellence. You know, we talk about a spirit of excellence. 
You know, excellence, excellence is not an action. It's not acts. It's not words. Excellence is the product of good decisions and actions repeatedly. So excellence comes from good habits. And some of us in this room, we've set goals, but we've yet to change our habits. And you are not going to reach your goals this year until you interact with your habits and change your habits. And what are habits? Habits are actions that are ingrained in us. Nobody has to tell me to do a habit. I'm going to do a habit. When I wake up in the morning, I need caffeine. That's a habit. No one has to tell me to get some caffeine. No one's got to force me to get some caffeine. I got an internal clock that says you need caffeine, and that's a habit. And as a Christian, we should possess spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines. In the same way, there should be an internal clock, which is the Holy Spirit, which is entwined with your spirit, imparting into you and telling you to do some spiritual disciplines because they should be habits in your life. And habits can make you or habits can destroy you. And habits, in turn, actually is what develops your character. Habits is what develops your character. And I think it's funny, we always want to blame our condition on something else besides our words, our actions, or our habits. It's like a doctor counseling a patient. And the patient, you know, he's overweight and he's saying all these things. Well, check my thyroid and, and check this and check my blood and check this. And everything came back. And the patient told the doctor, well, that's not right. I think my thyroid's overactive. And the doctor said, the only thing overactive, sir, is your fork. You need to change the way you eat. You need to change your habits. But a lot of times we try to blame everything else because of the result of our life, the problems in our life, everything around us. And the reality is our habits have created the mess that's currently in our life. And if we're ever going to reach a goal or reach a destination or to progress to somewhere we desire to be, we have to change our habits. Mostly all of the bad results we get in life, it results from bad habits. And we all want to set goals and we all want to aim high and we all want to touch the stars and touch the world for Jesus. But for some reason, you rarely see people changing their habits. Changing their habits. And we can't just wake up and change our character or wake up and attain a goal. But we have to change our habits on a daily basis, which in turn transforms our souls. And I know everyone in here, you know, we wrote down some short-term goals we wrote down some long-term goals, but those short-term goals aren't accessed through a scratch and win. And those long-term goals aren't accessed through winning a lottery. You don't win a lottery and achieve your goals, but it takes work, it takes effort, and it takes you grinding. And you're going to have to change your habits this year in 2018. In the ministry home, what does it focus on doing? We focus on what? Changing your habits. We preach the word of God to you. We teach you how to pray. We teach you how to worship. We teach you how to fellowship with other Christians. So in essence, what are we doing? We're trying to develop Christian spiritual disciplines in your life, which is Christian habits. We're trying to change your habits. We're trying to take away your bad habits, and we're trying to impart into you good habits. That's what we're trying to do. Christianity isn't just something you come in the home and do. Christianity is what we're called to do in the home, out the home, in the church, out the church. It's a Christian way of living. And it's not casual. Christianity is radical. Somebody say radical. Christianity is radical. And so God wants to change your habits, but there's also somebody else 
He wants to change your habits and develop habits in you. And that's the enemy. That's Satan. And Satan is very cunning. He's had years and generations of practice on how to get you. And Satan knows that he doesn't have to continue to tempt you in your mind and tell you stuff in your mind to get you to act and act and act. He's just got to convince you a couple of times until you develop a habit that your flesh likes and then you're trapped. Then you're trapped, a habitual cycle. Satan just got to get you to do it a couple times and then your flesh will take over. Your flesh will take you the rest of the way. But I'm going to read an excerpt from a book called The Screwtape Letters. Anybody ever read that? The Screwtape Letter. It's a very good book. It's by an author named C.S. Lewis, right? And this book, it portrays Satan, which is our enemy, writing a letter to one of his generals in his army named Wormwood. And Satan is giving this general Wormwood, he's a principality over a certain area, he's giving him advice on how to tempt man, how to deceive man, how to trick man. And this is what he says. He says, my dear Wormwood, number one, you need to encourage the Christian to make a name for himself and build his own kingdom. Because every man deep down inside, they want it to be about self. They have pride. And so Wormwood, you need, to, you need to push thoughts, inject thoughts into his mind that encourages him to be all about self, all about I, all about me. Make a name for himself. Build his own kingdom. You need to tempt him in this way. And number two, Wormwood, you need to persuade the Christian that being cool matters and you need to fit in with the world. Number three, Wormwood, you need to do everything in your power to keep the Christian out of communion with God. You don't have to keep him busy in sin, Wormwood. You can keep him busy in work and busy in ministry as long as you keep him away from communion with God. You see, it doesn't always come, lack of communion doesn't always come through sin, saints. Sometimes the enemy distracts us from what's best by distracting us from something good. And we're serving and we're grinding and we're working and we're doing ministry. But at the end of the day, we're still empty because we didn't have communion with God. Number four, Wormwood, get him to think the little things don't matter. Only the big things matter in his life. Number five, Wormwood, use every scheme available to you to get the Christian to rationalize his own secret sin and to rationalize his lack of zeal for God. This is another thing the enemy does. Those secret sins you think nobody knows about, and as soon as you get caught, you begin to try and justify it and rationalize it because the enemy's trying to convince you that it's not sin because he wants to trap you in that particular sin. He wants to trap you in that iniquity. Number six, persuade the Christian that the radical life of Christianity is too extreme. Persuade him that the Christianity is too extreme, it's too radical. It shouldn't be like that. Number seven, convince the Christian grace is only for really bad people, not the Christian who's fallen into bad sinful habits over and over. And number eight, convince the Christian that all the people God placed in their life are against them and influence them to criticize them and accuse them. And these, my friend, are the tactics of the enemy. And if you notice each and every one of these, they're aimed, they're geared towards your habits. 
You see, Satan is out to sabotage your godly habits because he does not want to see you reach your goals. He does not want to see you reach your destiny. The enemy injects thoughts in your mind to shape your habits. And so much of our bad habits results from bad thinking. And in our mind, in our mind is where the enemy hits. He injects negative thoughts. He injects critical thoughts. He injects bad thoughts. He injects evil thoughts. He injects these things into your mind. And you begin to entertain these thoughts. And they become actions. And you continue to commit these actions, commit these actions. And then they become habits. And habits dictate your lifestyle. Your habits dictate your lifestyle. So number one, my first point, number one, it's the small changes that matter. Number one, it's the small changes that matter. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It's the small changes that matter. This is Jesus speaking here, and the Word of God reads, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. You see, it's the small things in life that matter. A lot of times, you know, we want more, we want bigger, we want better, we want to progress, we want to be there. But the reality is God wants to see if you can be faithful in the now, in the little, in the small, before he can progress you to the large, in the big, in the mighty. You're just at testing ground is all you're at. You're just being tested by the Lord to see if he can handle you with more, to see if he can handle you with greater. You see, everybody wants to swing a home run. Everybody wants to just have to swing once and hit a home run. But very few want to come up consistently to the plate and swing time after time to run up a high batting average. And John Maxwell said this. He said, you will never change your life until you change something you do daily. You will never change your life until you change something you do daily. We can talk about change all day long. We can say we're changed all day long. We can, we can try to get other people changed all day long. But you will never change your life until you make a decision to change something daily. You got to do something different daily. It's the little actions in life that become habits, that produce lifestyle, that get you to your destiny. We all want to make big changes. We want to we stop doing this and start doing this. And then we always utterly fail and we look back and we, we started something and we didn't finish it. Well, my advice to you today is start something little and be consistent in it. Change something about your day that's small, that's little, and continue to do it seven days a week, day in and day out, and watch it form a habit in your life and watch you be blessed because of it. Watch you be blessed because of it. You see, discipline is choosing from what you want now and what you want most. And small changes coupled with faithfulness produce the biggest results. Habits are so powerful, but they're so subtle. They're so subtle. But you got to evaluate where you want to go in life, and you gotta, you got to decide that you want to pay the cost daily. you got to pay the cost daily. You got to pay the cost daily. If you want to be closer to God, it don't happen by just coming to church twice a week. It don't happen by just coming to church twice a week. But on a daily basis, you got to set time aside to seek Jesus. 
to hit your knees, to pray, to worship, to read your word. Small changes coupled with faithfulness produce the biggest results. You see, we all want to make these huge life changes. Well, I'm not getting the results I want to see because I'm at the wrong church, so I need to move church or something. Or I, I need to start a huge diet where I restrict myself from eating everything but just fish. Or, you know, these, these huge life changes that are too difficult to really consistently do and keep going. But the reality is we need to make small changes on a daily basis, and this is how we will attain our goals for 2018. This is how we will reach our goals for 2018 if we make small little changes on a daily basis. Somebody say small changes. You know, some of us, we've gotten off course. We begin to go the wrong direction. We got off the right path, and we find ourselves way over here. We're way over here. We're away from the right road. We're away from the right path. We used to be so close to Jesus. We used to just we used to feel his tangible presence in our life, but it seems like we're so distant, we're so far away. Or God used to use us, and now now we're on the back burner. We're in the back. It seems like he's hidden us. We used to we used to be over there, and you know, the the positive way to get back over there isn't just to to hurry up and run over there, but it's to change your degree just one degree and walk consistently that way, and you'll get back to where you need to be. Just change it one degree and walk consistently that way. You just got to change the little things. Change the small things. Develop good habits in your life. You have to evaluate and adjust your direction. And to form a habit, to start a habit, to develop a habit, you have to start. Some of us problem, we don't start. We talk about it all day long, but we don't start. We talk about all the goals and the habits we want to start and the things we want to do, but we never start. All you got to do is start, and if you fail, start again. And if you fail, start again. Keep starting. Keep going. The habits is what's going to bless your life. Habits. Don't be afraid to start again if you failed. Some of us, the enemy has lied to us and told us we've missed out. We've missed our opportunity. We're not going to get it again. I promise you that's a lie. All you got to do is start. And by you not starting, all you're doing is agreeing with the enemy. And God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins so you could have a fresh start. You could have forgiveness. And there could be a special measure of grace on your life. So when you agree with the enemy and saying that it's over for you, you can't do it again, you can't start again, you're telling God that what his son Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough to have you start again and to help you. That's what you're telling God. The grace that was poured out when Jesus died for our sins, if you only knew. But like they've been saying, you got to understand your identity and you got to understand what happened on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says every principality, every demon, every devil, every evil spiritual authority was disarmed at the cross of Calvary. It has no power. The devil has no power in your life. And there's a special measure of grace allotted to each and every Christian in this world. That special measure of grace is going to empower you to do that special God-given divine task which he's put on your life. And the grace that's on my life doesn't match the grace that's on your life. There's a special grace on your life to do what God's called you to do. And there's a special grace on my life to do what God's called me to do. 
But you all have access to this grace. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus died. And number two, goals of tomorrow are reached by habits of today. Goals of tomorrow are reached by habits of today. Psalms 37.4. And the word of God reads, I love this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When people are constantly struggling in the ministry, you know, I always pop this scripture out. Because if you truly believe in God and you truly believe in his word, then you have to believe in the whole word. All 66 books, every scripture, every verse, every letter, you got to believe in all of it. You got to have faith and you got to trust all of it. And this right here is powerful. He's saying if you learn to develop the habit of delighting yourself in the Lord, he will give you all the desires of your heart. Whatever you desire, whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever you crave, the Lord God will give it to you if you learn to delight yourself in his presence. Whatever your goals are, if you develop the right habits today, you will obtain the goals of tomorrow. If you develop the right habits today, you will achieve the goals you set for this 2018. And your goals may seem far off now, but if you're faithful in the small, you will reach the big. If you're faithful in the small, you will reach the big. You will reach the big. But you have to start today. You have to start today. And we all have goals. But they're reached one action at a time. One action at a time. But I think the problem is we're so used to trying to get something without paying a price for it. When we find out the price is consistently on a daily basis paying a price, we decide we don't want to pay the price and we don't want it. Because what God has for you, it's going to take a daily price. It's going to take a daily sacrifice. It's going to take a daily denying self. You see, Jesus told his disciples that you're going to have to pick up that cross and you're going to have to carry it. And some days you're not going to feel like doing it. That's okay. The cross isn't determined by your feelings. The cross is there because you're a Christian. You see, commitment has nothing to do with how you feel. Commitment is a decision you make. Commitment is a decision you make. Could you imagine if you were really tossed to and fro and you only did what you felt like in the moment? Your life would be chaotic. Your life would be crazy if you only did what you felt like in the moment. You'd be all over the place doing crazy stuff. Starting, starting uh, new things, joining new groups, joining new clubs, only to be there for a minute. That's why we can't, as a Christian, as a Christian, we can't make a decision based off how we feel. We have to make a decision based off God's word, God's counsel, and his Holy Spirit. But that's the problem. We're so used to trying to get something without paying a price. But the price is daily disciplines. Daily disciplines, daily changes. And it's just in a moment. 
It's just in a moment that you can begin to break free of a bad habit and start a good habit. It's just there's a moment when there's a war inside of you between your flesh and God's spirit. And if you just surrender and you give in and you deny the flesh, he takes the burden from you and you just made a decision that will produce a godly habit in your life and this will in turn help you reach your God-given destiny. It's just in a moment. And no, no temptation is common to man. We all experience the same and Jesus went through everything. The Bible says we have a high priest that, that went through every temptation we go through. He's experienced it. He knows what you're going through. He knows your pain. He knows your suffering. And he will never put more on you than you can handle. So quit trying to make excuses to why you made bad decisions. Because God will always give you the grace you need to make the right decision in the moment. But you didn't surrender to it. You gave over to the flesh. And that's easy to do because we have a sinful nature. The Apostle Paul was a mighty man of God. Went and planted churches. Went and did powerful things for God. Thousands of people were getting saved. And the Apostle Paul is the one that said, There's good in me that I want to do, but I can't do it. And there's bad in me I don't want to do, but I seem to do it. Who will help me escape this wretched body that I have? He's saying there's a sinful nature at war in each and every one of us. And the only way to overcome it is by God's spirit. Is by God's spirit. There is a battle inside of you. And quit letting the devil tell you you're not saved because you're struggling with giving in to a temptation. Being tempted doesn't dictate if you're a Christian. In fact, if there's a war inside of you between good and evil, that should tell you you're a Christian because God's spirit is warring against the sinful desire inside of you. It's warring against the sinful desire inside of you. We all have a flesh. We all get tempted. Well, I don't get tempted. I'm a holy. Well, Jesus got tempted, and I know you ain't better than Jesus. In Matthew 4, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit and it said he was tempted. The tempter came and met him. Being tempted doesn't dictate if you're a Christian or not. We all get tempted. But the question is, what do you do in the heat of the moment when the temptation comes? And godly habits are formed by making the right decision in the moment. Your goals seem so far away. Everything you want, everything you want to be, everything you want to have, what you want to do for God, it seems so far away. But the reality is you get there one godly decision at a time. You get there one godly decision at a time. And what the enemy does is he tells us it's too far away. They're too big. We're never going to have it. We're never going to obtain it. And so what he does is he gets us to focus on all the lies he put in our head, right? So we fall in the moment and make a bad decision because we're listening to the lies of the enemy. In the moment, you need to be reciting the word of God. You need to be saying the word of God. The word of God says I have, the Lord has plans. He declares he has plans to prosper me not to harm me, to give me a hope and to give me a future. And so now I know in the moment I can make a right decision because God has plans for my life. God has plans for my life. And I don't have to succumb to the bad decision every time I get in the moment. When I'm faced with sin or a bad decision or react to a situation in a negative way, I don't have to succumb to it because the word of God has a promise that I need in the moment. You just got to dig in that book and find it. 
you got to dig in that book and find it. You want to know some habits you should possess as a Christian? Prayer, worship, church attendance, Bible reading, uh, fellowshipping, fasting, witnessing, preaching the gospel. The Bible didn't say this was just for pulpit preachers. Jesus turned and looked at all his disciples, the fishermen, the tax collectors, all of them, the bread makers, the bread winners, everybody. He looked at him and he said, go into the nations and preach the gospel. Wherever God has you right now, he wants you to preach the gospel. It's not restricted to a pulpit. The church is not a building. The church is the body. We are the church. So wherever we go, the gospel goes too. And it's our responsibility to make sure the word, the good news, gets, about, gets out about Jesus wherever we go. And if they don't receive you, shake your shoes off. And go preach it somewhere else. Quit getting offended. This generation that I grow up in, we get offended once and we're done. We get offended one time and we're done. We don't want nothing to do with you. Quit trying to take an offense. That's the devil trying to raise an offense in your heart because he knows God has a work for you to do, but all he has to do is get you offended at one person and then you're done serving God. The tactics of the enemy, the devil is the liar. The devil is a liar. But you got to quit listening to the, the lies in your mind. You got to quit listening to the, the lies in your head. It has no power. The Bible tells us to do this. Every thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, you need to take it captive. Not just destroy it, not kick it out. You need to take that sucker captive. And you need to look at it and you need to say, where did you come from? Because the word don't speak nothing about this. You're not from the word of God. You're not from God. And you get rid of that sucker. You take it captive. Where did this thought come from? This thought ain't from God. This thought ain't from God. Get out of here. And don't dwell on it. When you dwell on it, that's when you lose your power to overcome the enemy. That's when you lose your power to overcome the enemy. You're getting fed the wrong stuff by the enemy. Producing bad habits in your life. The other day, man, we was going on a fast and Brother Elliot... He put a big old plate of baby back ribs on my table. They looked so good. There was about 10 of them. Just, just pasted barbecue sauce, seasoned barbecue sauce all over them. We was about to go on a fast, so we was ending it big. So I went into my room, and I put the plate of ribs on my table, and I walked out of my room to go check on the home, and I come back in the room... And the plate of ribs is turned over. There's sauce all over the ground. And Esther's hiding in the corner with sauce on her lips just looking at me. I didn't do nothing, right? She knows something was up. She went and hid over in the corner. She went over just smiling, sauce all over. Plate flipped over, sauce all over the ground. But do you know why she made the wrong decision in the moment? You want to know why she made the wrong decision in the moment? I've been feeding her the wrong stuff, and it created bad habits in her. And so in the moment, she can't make the right decision. 
Some of us today, the enemy is lying in your mind. He's feeding you the wrong stuff. He's, he's feeding you criticism about Christians. He's feeding you negativity about the ministry, the church. He's feeding you all kinds of stuff in your mind so you can't make the right decision in the moment because you develop bad habits because you're eating on the wrong food. You're chewing on the wrong thoughts. You're dwelling on the wrong stuff in your mind. You need to pick this Bible up and say, Devil, you ain't got no power here. I'm going to dwell on the Scriptures. I'm going to dwell on the Word. I'm going to dwell on the Word of God. You got to eat the right stuff. You got to eat the right stuff. I was getting burnt there for a while. I was thinking everybody's like Esther. No matter how much discipline I give, they still going to make the same decision time and time again. God delivered me from that mindset because the same God that changed me can change everyone in here in the same radical way. This transformation isn't just for drug addicts. Listen, I'm coming to find out that people that didn't experience drug addiction are way more jacked up than the people that experienced drug addiction. She's raising her hand. No, the reality is the reality is that our our actions, our our mis, mishaps, the things that we struggle with, it's apparent. Right? It's apparent you can see it. But sometimes when you didn't struggle with an action or an outward deed like that real bad, the inner stuff, which you can't see physically, you struggle with a lot more and you really can't pinpoint it and put your finger on it because there's no outward sign of it. It's this inward stuff, this inward stuff. You can't put a finger on it, but there's something in here. In life, something happened and something in here didn't go right, right? And now you struggle with certain stuff, certain mindsets, certain attitudes. You struggle with them. But the same God that took the liquor out of my mouth, the same God that took the pills out of my hand, the same God that took me out of the rave club is the same God that can deliver you from whatever you got going on in your life. Is the same God. Transformation. Transformation. But you got to start today. You got to start making different decisions in the moment. But the only way to do it is to rely on God. So many of us, so many of us want to serve God in our own strength, and we wonder why we don't have any joy. And we wonder why we don't have any peace. And we wonder why we can't be gentle. And we wonder why we ain't got no love for the brethren. And we wonder why every time somebody wrongs us, we're done with them. Because we're trying to do this thing in our own strength. You know what ministry will do without the power of the Holy Ghost? It will kill you. It will kill you. Ministry without the Holy Spirit will destroy you. You're trying to do the work of God without God? It don't work like that. But the good thing is, Jesus died, and we live in an era of grace. We live in an era of grace. You see, the Bible talks about a man named Esau, and he sold his birthright for, for a bowl of lentils. I don't know what lentils are, but they sound gross. Savannah says she cooks some good lentils. He sold his birthright for a bowl of lentils. He, he, he sold his idea. He, he sold what was promised to him because he gave over into the flesh in that moment. 
He wanted to feed the flesh in the moment. So he, he, gave, his prom, he gave his birthright away. He gave his promise away. And I guarantee there's people in here, you've given your promise away, your birthright away for the flesh in the moment. But here's what's cool. Here's what's cool. In the Old Testament, it says he weeped and he cried and he tried to repent and God said, please, God said, please, and God said, please, and God said, no. But now in the New Testament, when we, when we do that, we plead with God and we have true repentance inside of our lives. We, we repent from our sin and we change the way we think about it and then there's a special measure of grace that comes upon us. Boom. Again. Acts 3.19 says repent then and turn to God. But that's not, the, that's not all of it. So the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And it's not time of refreshing, it's times of refreshing because God knows how jacked up you are. You see, before God predetermined your destiny, he pre-calculated your stupidity. And you can believe that. You can believe that. Well, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. God knows who you are. Quit giving excuse, man. I can't keep going. Yes, you can. You don't want to keep going. That's what it is. It's not that you can't. People all the time, I'm burned out on church. I'm burned out. How are you burned out? Because burnout, all burnout is, is when the demands placed on you exceed the resources available to you. And, and maybe I'm tripping, but the resource available to me is the Holy Spirit. And there's no demand in this world. There is no demand in this world that can use up my resource. So the only reason people would get burned out on church, burned out on ministry, is because they're not tapping into the resource that was given to them. They're not tapping into the resource that was given to them. If you try and do ministry in the flesh, dude, you're going to be destroyed. It's going to rob you of everything. You're not going to have joy. The very thing that's supposed to be a blessing to you and joyful and awesome and amazing, it's going to be the exact opposite. You're going to see serving God as a burden. If I did ministry in the flesh, ministry would be a burden to me too. It would be a burden to me too. You can't do this thing without the Holy Spirit. You can't. And if you're actively serving in the church, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You can't. You have to have the Holy Spirit. But it, it, we have to make different decisions in the moment. So next time you want to criticize somebody, stop, take a step back. And say, I'm going to do something different in this moment. And maybe begin to encourage them to do better. Next time you want to idly waste your time, stop back. Make a different decision and begin to seek fellowship with the Lord. Next time this worship team leads us in worship, maybe instead of just sitting there or criticizing the worship team or criticizing the church, maybe you should close your eyes and lift your hands and engage into the presence of the Lord. Come on now. Next time you want to sit around on a Wednesday and Sunday and we're having church here, maybe you should take a step back, take your shower for the week, brush your teeth, and come into this church house. Yeah, if we can just get some of y'all a shower once a day, we're getting somewhere. I'm preaching now. Amen. Amen. We all have goals, but they're only reached one action at a time. 
You see, everybody wants to play a scratch and win. And Oh, I got the family I wanted, you know. You know, even if you did, even if you did, I've seen this, I've seen this time and time again. Even if you did somehow con God into giving what you want when he wasn't ready to give it to you, because he'll do it. He did it in the Old Testament. You are not going to be ready to handle whatever it is. And sometimes God gives us what we think we want before we're ready for it when we don't quit asking, and that's all we focus on, to teach us a lesson, to show us we're not ready for it. And then he'll bring us back, back to the potter's house, put us back on that wheel, and any air bubbles that popped up, he'll just push it down again and begin to start molding again. Begin to start molding again. There's a price you've got to pay. There's a price you got to pay. Amen? Let me ask you something. Do you do enough just to get by? Do you do enough just to get by? Because I, I believe there's another level of Christianity that we all in this room could be tapping into if we begin to sow right words, sow right actions, and develop godly habits. There is another level of Christianity that everyone in here could be walking in that we need to tap into. In 2018, this is the year, man. This is the year that we tap into the miracles, the healing, the prophecies. God's already started speaking to people. I'm chopping it up with people from the church and the ministry. God's already started speaking in dreams and prophecies, and I've, I've seen miracles. I mean, God's already moving. He's moving at a fast pace. But in order to move with him, you're going to have to develop some godly habits if you want to stride with Jesus. If you want to stay in stride with Jesus, you've got to develop some godly habits. And so ask yourself, am I doing just enough to get by? No, ask yourself this. If you walk in a gas station or you walk, you walk into a social gathering, can an unbeliever tell the difference between you and a person in the world? Can they tell the difference? Or, or is the glory of God so apparent on your life that people come up to you and they notice there's something different about you? Because that's the level of Christianity that God wants every one of us to be at. To where the glory of God is so apparent on our life that everyone knows there's something different about you. And for us Christians, we know what it is. It's the anointing of God. It's the anointing of God. And as soon as you think it's you, he'll take it away from you for a second. It's not you. It's the anointing of God. It belongs to God. That's the level of Christianity that God wants us living in. And number three... Number three, the power of habit can work for you. The power of habit can work for you. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5. And Jesus taught us a principle. He says, you can't just clean up a house and not fill it up again. That's cool if you can clean up a house. But if you don't fill up that house, Jesus told us, Whatever was kicked out of that house, devil, demon, spirit, it's going to go get seven more evil in itself and come back and see a house that's organized and clean. And they're going to throw a party. It's going to see a house put in order. Because when you clean up, when you take something bad out, the principle is this, you have to put something good in. And so if you have some bad habits in your life, you can't just subtract the bad habits from your life. 
but you got to start good habits to replace them. You see, some of us, we used to do drugs, and that was a horrible habit. But in order to really finally stop that habit, you got to start and develop some godly habits. You got to begin to learn to pray and let that be a daily discipline in your life. And I'm not talking put your head on your chair and let music play. I'm talking prayer. I'm talking prayer. You got to begin to conversate with God. Pour out your heart. David said, God, I pour out my heart to you. That means if I'm angry, I'm telling you, God, that I'm angry. If I'm confused, I'm telling you, God, that I'm confused. If I'm scared, God, I'm giving you all my fear. If I have anxiety about a certain situation, I'm giving it to you, God. You see, the, the King David learned to pour out his heart to God because in reality, the only one that can take all those emotions and feelings and all that hurt you got going on is God. But to take a bad habit away, you got to replace it with a good habit. You got to replace it with a good habit. Worship team, you can come up. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, the word of God reads, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, which is goodness, and in your goodness, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. You know what Peter's saying right here? These are the God-given habits that you have to develop in your life. Number one, you got to begin to learn how to show goodness in situations where there really is no opportunity to give goodness. A lot of us want mercy, but we are not willing to give mercy. A lot, of us, a lot of us want goodness, but we're not willing to give goodness. And I think it's funny in the home. It's real funny in the home. You'll have people walking around the home, and they'll, they'll see faults in people, right? And I'll just ignore it and say, okay, man, whatever, right, whatever. And then I'll have somebody else come around me, and they're pointing at the guy who was pointing out the faults, and they're pointing out the faults in him. And the same faults that the guy found and the guy he was was the same faults this dude's looking at this dude. Maybe... Just maybe your pride doesn't allow you to see your faults, so God allows you to see your faults in somebody else. Because the reality is God didn't bring you here to change so-and-so. God brought you here to change you. It's the same in the church. God didn't bring you here to change the pastor, change the associate pastor, right? change the worship leader. If you see a fault in them, it's most likely because God needs something in you he wants to change. But you're blind. You're blind to it. You're blind to your bad habits. You're blind to your bad habits. So goodness, we've got to practice good knowledge. We've got to be able to practice knowledge. If you don't know the word, how are you going to share the word? Number three, self-control. In the moment, we have to practice self-control. Self-control. This whole little no sugar thing is really helping my self-control. I find myself being able to say no to other things as I've learned to say no to sugar. Yeah, I developed a God, I felt a good habit to have self-control in one area of my life and it's allowed me to have self-control in other areas of my life. Why? Because I'm learning to, I'm learning to display self-control. Self-control. That's why fasting is so powerful. 
If you struggle with a certain thing or whatever, just fast for three days and watch God bring deliverance into your life. Because you're learning to say no to the very thing you feel you need to go forward. Number four, perseverance. This is a habit. We gotta, we gotta possess perseverance. You know what perseverance is? Perseverance isn't just going and keeping going. Perseverance is going when you don't feel like going. That's what perseverance is. Keep going forward when you don't want to go forward. That's perseverance. Anybody can do good when everything's great. But can you keep going when everything's hell in your life? Can you keep going when there's all kinds of wrong, all kinds of bad? Number five, godliness. Got to display godly character. Number six, brotherly kindness. Say it with me. Brotherly kindness. I'm going to say it again. Brotherly kindness. We have to develop a habit of showing brotherly kindness. Number seven, this is my favorite, love. Anybody else like love in the house? Love. Because without love, it's nothing. Okay, you can preach, cool, but you ain't got love, it don't mean nothing. Okay, you can lead worship, cool, but you ain't got love, it don't mean nothing. Oh, you got these cool gifts to prophesy and heal, cool, but if you ain't got love, it don't mean nothing. Love, love is at the center of this thing we call Christianity. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for your sins Whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but they'll have everlasting life. God did that out of love. So every habit we create, every decision we make, every word that comes out of our mouth, it needs to be empowered by love. It needs to come from love. And we can only reach our goals showing one word and one action at a time. A thought is a thought, it becomes a word, which becomes an action, and an action becomes a habit. And these habits determine your lifestyle. And your lifestyle dictates which destiny you'll meet up at. And in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind by the renewing of your mind. And you can't stop every thought from coming into your mind, but you can choose which thought to dwell on and you can choose which thought to become action. And some of us right now, we have some ungodly habits in our life that's actually keeping us from living a spirit-empowered life. Jesus didn't die just so we could go to heaven. Jesus died so we could live a spirit-empowered life here on earth. We want to see the healings. We want to see the miracles. We want to hear the prophecies. We want God to speak in dreams. We want Him to pour out His Spirit on each and every one of us. We have to ask God to remove the ungodly habits in our life and give us the measure of grace we need to develop good, godly habits. But it takes one action at a time. One action at a time. Forget your failures. If your failures in your past is keeping you from making different decisions and starting again, you need to take a step back and realize the past failures, your past, 
It's already took up time and space in your life. So why continue to let it take up time and space in your future? It's in the past. It already took up time. It already took up space. So why continue to give it time and attention in the now? You have an opportunity to develop grace-driven action, to develop God-given habits in your life. Stand to your feet. And these God-given habits will help you reach your goals in this 2018. The altar is open, and the worship team is going to lead us in worship.